Welcome to Sports Talk, hour number two. We're out of the pen, onto the mound. Glad to bring in with to the program Evan Kahn here for this hour, along with me, Scott Beatty. And our guest coming up, Matt Stevens from IlliniGuys.com. We will chat it up on all things football and probably more coming up. But it's great to see you. Last hour, we visited with Robert Rosenthal from IlliniBoard.com with Lauren Tate. And... This is just a, I don't know, I kind of, I, I, I had to run a few errands midday and I felt like, can we have class outside <laughs> kind of feeling? And then it's, you know, can we get some apple cider going or something like that? And this feels very right in the sweet spot of fall, doesn't it? And you've got college football and NFL season in full swing and we're coming down to the wire on pennant races and home run chases and all that other good stuff. And, um... You can think a little bit about basketball if you want to, and it's all good good feelings right now, but you don't have to think about basketball if you don't want to. So I just this is a nice little spot we're in, isn't it? For sure. I, I definitely yesterday when you brought up basketball, it, it felt a little too soon, although I do put basketball number two on my list. It, 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 this is that time of year, like you said, the, the, the leaves are changing. It's getting a little cooler. We're, we're just on the verge of the best sports month of the year, and it really is kind of devoted to, to football. But look, I, I, I'm just suddenly realizing this is a very, very optimistic time of year or a not pessimistic time of year. Because, hear me out, if your team, like the Cubs for you and me, out of it, okay, but wheels are turning. I already read a nice article today about why the Cubs could be great next year, (laughs) okay? (laughs) So there's that. And if your team is in it, there's still hope that they're either going to get into the playoffs, if they're already in, jockey for their position, win your division, whatever. Cardinals could clinch as soon as tomorrow, okay? Um Yes, I'm making an exception here with the White Sox. I don't know where <laughs> hope sits with the White Sox. Okay, now basketball, NBA, college season, we're 40 days or whatever it is from tip-off, so it's all like just hopes and dreams about what could be come wintertime with your team. <laughs> and if your NFL team, like the Bears, is are terrible, they're still 2-1, and one, so you don't really know that they're definitively <laughs> terrible, even though they're, they're terrible, okay? And if you're an Illini football fan, you're on, like, they're about to start this four-game swing of division games, and it could be program-defining, you know, you know, they arrived kind of thing. It could go the other direction, but you're on the brink of anticipation and excitement. So I'm saying welcome to the last week of September with sunshine and crisp air and leaves just starting to change. Get all that optimism out of the way. They don't allow that on the Fasteners Etc. post-game show. <laughs> Touche. And, and, and when it pertains to our teams for the most part, yeah, I, I would agree. If you're Northwestern coming off a loss to an FCS school and a MAC school and your basketball team is bringing back a, a point guard who can't play anymore as but motivation. See, even, even so, you're not really done. Because they're, <laughs> the Northwestern's 1-3 and, and horrible, but mathematically... They still could be into a get into a nice bowl, something like that. <laughs> Again, if you're if you're staying on the optimistic side and and looking at the sunshine and, and the sixty five degrees, not and, dead yet. And the the apple cider hits your nose just right. You know, you could you could be feeling those. Which feelings. kind of apple cider? 
<laughs> but but it it is true uh, for for everybody around here, except for maybe the the White Sox. I, I think that that you can look at the next nine to twelve to to fifteen months in a positive, optimistic kind of way. Yeah, I'm just saying, yeah. There's there's only hopes and, and even the White right Sox. Now. I mean, they're coming off a. a couple of postseason appearances and maybe you you get a manager and some pieces that fit together with that roster it's not like they're it's completely empty you can you can flip it and sign guys so yeah everybody no. if you're not wearing purple be optimistic <laughs> <laughs> well if you're wearing purple in manhattan kansas state in manhattan in manhattan kansas you got plenty to be uh, bopping about or minneapolis minnesota sure. yeah well that's that's sort of typical the vikings can have a nice regular season and then have no idea what they're doing in the postseason. You're not wrong. But that, that's another day. Um, but yeah, if you're a baseball fan in general and just like dingers uh, and the long ball, maybe Aaron Judge will finally get it tonight against the Blue Jays up in Toronto. Is his family still in town, or are they like, yeah, bro, we're done? Uh, I I didn't follow up on it. I know that MLB. I'll text you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll we'll text s- you that we made it home. We'll see you when you you get back to to New York. <laughs> we'll be watching. Don't worry. But no, I, I I I don't know if they're still there, and maybe if they aren't, it, it takes a, a little bit of that that pressure off because before because didn't he hit 59 and 60 almost back to back or Mm -hmm. or two out of three days so it all came came really quick and and it's kind of stopped here so take the pressure off just another game he'd had success against Gosman so I think there was a a little bit of pressure on on that last night as well so different kind of pitcher uh still a a hitter friendly ballpark I mean there's there's eight games he's got to get at least one more right and I asked Lauren this I want to get you to do you care about when he gets it in terms of uh, I think game one fifty two is tonight. Oh, get it? You know, before you know, one fifty four would no, be tonight. No, uh, this is that. this is twenty twenty two. I mean, we've been playing one hundred sixty two since sixty or sixty one. Yeah. Whenever it went he into could, effect, he could break Ruth's record. Is, is yeah, but saying. I mean, Babe Ruth faced pitchers that threw softer than some of the guys I saw in high school. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> but if he had access, if he had access to the nutrition, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Okay. It's Sports Talk here. We're glad you are with us. If you have anything to uh, chime in with, join us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Illinois football gearing up for a big one on the road at Miss Wisconsin Camp Randall Stadium, where Brett Bielma once was the head coach. The good news is, kind of like when we went to Penn State in Minnesota last year, we knew we were walking into a hostile environment. Uh, Penn State has over 100, uh, I think 110,000 that we were walking into. Um, every stadium is a little bit different, but um, we, we have been able to have success uh, at stadiums when we were the uh, visitors. Um, so I know they've done that already. Camp Randall is a unique stadium. It's it's very vertical, so it's very loud. Um, they've obviously redone the one end zone, so I'm excited to see that. I haven't seen it. Um, obviously, I haven't been back there. I've been in Madison uh, uh, twice uh, since I left, but never on the football field in this environment. I've never been in the visitor's locker room as a competitor. So, um, But there are a lot of things I learned about uh, our visitors that visited us when I was there that I've definitely shared with our team, and we're kind of working through those things this week uh, from from everything from, you know, their locker room is all uh, very light blue. It's not quite pink, but it's light blue. Uh, it's very nice. It's a big locker room, a lot of space, a lot better than I would say most of the majority of the Big Ten Conference visiting locker rooms. It's one of the better ones. Um, it's a first-class uh, uh, stadium that, you know, should bring a lot of fun to the, to the kids to visit. 
All right, yeah, light blue locker rooms. There we go. I'm pretty sure my I've been in a locker room that that's light blue, and, and the girls is light pink. You know, that's kind of how they do it in the elementary school, <laughs> <laughs> and apparently in Madison. Yeah. So now the guys are all geared up for a light blue wall mm-hmm. in their locker room, and then you know, seventy thousand plus jumping around in between the third. Yeah, at least it's not red. Uh, Bob Osmussen said, "Be prepared that you will feel like." the whole thing is going to crumble when they start doing that jump around bit. <laughs> Does Illinois have a thing right no. now? Don't I don't I'm not trying to open that can of worms. I'm just saying is there anything else that's sort of the thing? I don't know what can of worms you're you're referring there to. There used to be but... a thing at halftime that uh. was very yeah. <laughs> I, I was, that definitely went right over my head. You know, but I, I mean I always got the wave right now. Well, and, I I think for a time, the the Lion King thing where you hold up the babies, I think Illinois <laughs> might have started that. Yeah. But other places have kind of duplicated it, and maybe maybe they weren't the first ones to come up with it. But off the top of my head, I can't think of any. Yeah. Uh, Brett Bielan very much downplaying, as I think he should, the return to the place he used to work doesn't really move my needle too much because it's such in the past that that's just an eternity ago in college football history that his players weren't there. They they were in elementary school at the time, mm-hmm. some of them. Um, and, and I, I understand why he has to deflect and I understand why there's interest in this, but I also, to me, it's not the story. It just isn't. And I'm not trying, I'm, I know coaches want to spin things away, but in this case, like I don't, it's just not that interesting to me. Like, what would it be if he was there two years ago? If he, mm-hmm. if some of his players had transferred from Wisconsin to Illinois uh, to stay with him, kind of thing. But this is a decade ago, so I say this is just how it is. Coaches change jobs. Yeah, it's one of those time things. Exactly. There's real, really no the only connections left. I mean, even Barry Alvarez has retired and moved on. So as far as... Yeah, the coaches all know each other, and there's the coaching tree, and Paul Christ and Brett Bielma have been longtime buds and, and all that stuff, and Christ worked for Bielma, and Aaron Henry was at Wisconsin and, and others, but I I don't think the players really get into that. Mm-mm, no. They're just not... They're not seeing that long historical view like the coaches might, so it's just... They, it's a game. No, they see twenty four and zero last year at Memorial Stadium. Uh, was that homecoming? Even maybe not. Yes, it was homecoming. So yeah, <laughs> they, uh, hopefully that's what they remember, and they don't want uh, the same kind of performance up there in Wisconsin. Yeah. All right, so that is uh, some of what's going on. Cubs tonight against the Phillies up at Wrigley. Marcus Stroman, Brewers host the Cardinals. Miles Michaelis for the. Uh, for the Cardinals and White Sox baseball tonight, they're in Minnesota, in Minneapolis at Target Field, which is apparently getting uh, some renovations and redos after. Huh? It feels like it was built yesterday, but anyway, uh, Lance Lynn will try to get down here to the wire here on his final couple starts. Up and down year for him, but overall pretty solid for Lance Lynn, and you'll hear that here. On DWS, pregame coverage starts at 6 o'clock. Illini talk and more, college football talk and more. Matt Stevens visits with us in just a moment. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Hey, Illini family, it's Illinois volleyball coach Chris Thomas. We'll see you Friday night at Huff for a match against Purdue and catch every point right here on New Stock 1400 and 93.9 FM. 
You've got Sports Talk on a Tuesday. I'm Scott Beatty with Evan Kahn, News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM. Matt Stevens has joined us here in studio. He writes for IlliniGuys.com. Matt, great to see you. Scott, Evan, how are we doing? Very good. Mm-hmm. Let's start with this. I was reading about Lance Leipold, okay. CBS Sports, <laughs> and his prospects. And they used the uh, phrase turnaround and what he's done at Kansas in, in 18 months. Okay. And it strikes me as that he is perhaps very good, and I don't know if every coach can do this. He has come into a bottom-of-the-seller program and brought it out, so far at least. Mm-hmm. And maybe not every coach can do that. And that, it strikes me, is also what Brett Bielma, to a degree, has been able to do. And what Brett Bielma was able to do at Wisconsin was keep the ship flying, correct, and do it well. Here, he had to figure out. And I don't know that I, I don't know if all coaches could do that to do come what Lance into, has done at Kansas, right? Correct. I don't, and I don't know that all coaches could do what Brett Bielma's done with. And I'm not talking about the natural regional ties. I'm just talking about the foresight to okay, this is what we have to do in what order, prioritize this and this and this, and get this thing moving. I've known Lance for a long time. Um, Lance was at UW-Whitewater building that program when I was in high school, when I was getting out of high school. Um, he's a Wisconsin guy. A lot of those guys on his staff are guys that he's had all the way from Whitewater to Buffalo, now to, now at Kansas. He he and um, the guy at Coastal Carolina, Jamie Chadwell, mm-hmm. they have – he used to be at – Jamie Chadwell used to be at a D2 program, built that up from nothing, and now it's something. He And he's done the same thing at Coastal Carolina. The only reason I remember Jamie Chadwell is a lot of those guys are from his D2 staff. He's just brought them along with him. It's nine assistants that just kind of travel along with Jamie. <laughs> um, Lance has his traveling guru of guys, and it's the same kind of guys. What the, what you're describing about Lance is what he his reputation is, which is taking something from the depth of nothing and making it into something at the FBS level and at the and and. The, the question was with Lance, especially when he was at Buffalo, was – and I, I, have a, I know of a couple of people who were on that staff with him at Buffalo. They could not move the ball effectively his first – before they got there. And they would, they, you would talk to Matt coaches that knew it was an organized scrimmage when they would go to play Buffalo. It was that bad. And he's built that into something. And that's, that's just culture building. That's what he's done his entire career. The question on Lance has always been, if you give him resources, can he match up in terms of recruiting with the big boys that he's going to have to match up with? He's never had to do that before. He's always been able to take guys that have fallen through the cracks or that people didn't want for whatever reason, size, physical attributes, academic issues, all of those things, and he's made lemonade out of lemons, right? Now he's getting a whole bunch of different resources at the jobs that he's being talked about with, along with Jamie Chadwell. Now can he go recruit with the big boys? Because if he can't do that, it's going to end up like Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech where this isn't going to work because he's just not getting enough players to make this work. Brett Bielma, though, has he established himself as a, uh, a guy that can also do this? I think Brett Bielema is trying desperately to establish himself as somebody right now that can build Illinois to a point in which he can, let's just say, and I'll, I mean, I'll just say it, get the pay-for-play dollars that he's going to need in the Big Ten to make a difference in recruiting later on so that Illinois can go take that next step. I think he's in the process of taking the first step, which is 
you know, getting this program back on solid footing. He did that last year, and now I think you take a little bit further further step along the process of maybe going to a bowl game and winning some of these big games that, the, that they have up on this docket coming up here in October, establishing yourself as a very, very competitive Big Ten football team. And then you go start to get some of that name, image, and likeness money from some of the you know people that like to donate and want Illinois football to be really, really good. And then you start to you know figure out if Illinois can get back to where they were in the early the late '80s and early '90s under you know Mike White and John Makovic. Brettwood is slowly starting to build that, but I think we're 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 a couple of stages away from that. And I know that I think Brett feels that, but I think he he feels like it's on the right path right now. And I, I would typically agree with him. Yeah, as far as those steps go, sure. and and maybe I'm misremembering this, but you know, think back to last year, like you said, Illinois, mm-hmm. they get it back on, on footing. They ran the offense that we expected Illinois to run, sure. and everybody pretty much came away disappointed with it. And then they bring in Barry Lunny, and we think, okay, they're bringing in Barry Lunny to run the same kind of offense, just with a, a different flavor. I but, said that. Yeah, but now are we maybe starting to see that they're trying to develop an offense to get those recruits one day as they start to come in? I see the week three NFL listing of all the Illini players in the NFL. I see O linemen. I see defensive players. I see no skill position players. Yeah, I, I think. Hold your horses, Evan, because I, I still think <laughs> Illinois under Brett Bielema and specifically under Barry Lunny is going to be about running the football and making sure that everything is done clean. And I think that they want to be much. I, I said this in the beginning, and I, I don't, I don't, I, I look. I saw the same thing you saw against Chattanooga on Thursday night. There was a lot more RPO. There was a lot more running after the catch. Pat Bryant had the introduction to the world, <laughs> um, but. Chase Brown's still the, la- the nation's leading rusher, okay? And you're still seeing all five guys on the offensive line be over 300 pounds. This this offense, no matter what Brett wants to talk about, if you're running an RPO-based shotgun system, you can still run the football and do it very, very effectively. That is going to be mission number one under, for Brett Bielema and for Barry Lunny. Do not misunderstand it. Um, Barry is not bringing the UTSA offense to Illinois, and he has not. And I I think that there are things that he can incorporate into this offense. What I really like what Barry has done over this first month of the season is that he's essentially, if you look at the numbers and you look at the data on Illinois' offense, he has essentially said, guys, we are going to perfect a few things and do them really, really well. And then I'll I'll integrate a little bit more and a little bit more but i'm not going to do that until you perfect what i want to do and that's the zone read runs and the play action passes that they want they want to run and i think they've done it really really well over the first month of the season but i don't think you're going to see illinois ever get to the point where they're doing like say what usc is doing with you know, you know, with Lincoln Riley or, or, or just throwing it all over the parking lot. like mm-hmm. that. That's just not how Brett Bielema sees the game of football. And I don't think it's a very, very good selling point for him when the only active head coach in college football that's produced more offensive linemen in the NFL is Nick Saban. He has that card to play, and I think he's doing very, very well on the recruiting trail with big people, not only on the offensive line, but also um, in future classes in the 24 and the 25 kids on the defensive line. Mm. How do you assess Tommy DeVito, particularly when he has made mistakes? Talked about it with Justin Fields this past weekend with the Bears. Yeah. He made two interceptions. One was probably the right throw, and it was poorly executed. One was 
you shouldn't have thrown that ball, period. Uh, I, I, I feel like I'm trying to recall the interceptions in my head here that Tommy DeVito's thrown, but it feels more like mm, maybe it got away from you or it was you know, right decision, bad execution. The, the the first possession against Virginia, it's what are you doing throwing that ball? Okay, like, and Tommy, I, Tommy and Barry and everybody would admit that, right? So throw that one out because that's so that's, that's a al- bad decision. That's almost don't do that again. Yeah. you know, and that's <laughs> you're, you're you're not winning that play by making that throw, right? Um, what do I think Tommy's done? Um, first of all, Barry and Bart Miller have done an excellent job keeping Tommy upright. Which is yeah. a totally new world for Tommy DeVito's because <laughs> I'm telling you guys that that, that kid left p- body like that kid put parts of his body in the carrier dome. It, he just did, and he, he got some good looks at the roof there. Exactly, <laughs> um, and so that was mission number one, and mission number one has been completed very very well because he has been he has been kept in a clean pocket, you know, a majority of the time throughout these first four games. The second thing for Tommy, I think, is just getting timing with receivers that he's just not familiar with. You saw it on Thursday night. They had a lot of success with the RPO throws. They had a lot of success with the Pat Bryant, you know, crossing routes out of the RPO when he would take it out of Chase's belly and throw it. That's got to be part of, and I did this in our film review on Illini guys, that's got to be part of the, the motion, the throwing motion, is literally taking it out of the belly and then coming forward with it. You saw Tommy take it out of the belly, kind of pause a little bit, and then make the throw. It's got to be one fluid motion, and Barry Barry has been working with Tommy on that. If they're going to implement more and more of that, it's got to be more of a timing thing so that Pat Bryant can catch the ball here and then go and mm-hmm. and, and break some tackles. So they're they're clicking, but it's not 100%. And I think that you guys heard that from, from Brett Bielema on Monday, and I think it, there are, there are, there's another world at which this Illinois offense can get to. But I do appreciate that Barry Lunny is taking it step by step by step because he understands where this offense has has been and in order to get to where they need to go it is a long long process it's not going to be something that gets solved in the next couple of weeks but there is things like zone read runs with chase brown and play action passes to a tight end room that they feel really really good about and emerging wide receivers like pat bryant and isaiah williams that they can feel good about if this offensive line stays healthy i think that this offense can continue to make gradual improvements over the next two months What's the the roadmap at, roadmap at quarterback? People keep asking, <laughs> is this the last year for Tommy DeVito? I guess let's start yeah, with absolutely. that. That's what 100%. I thought. So this is the one year. Mm-hmm. So who's because next? he has no option. Yeah, he will be done. He will be done. With done. Eligibility yeah, that's what year. I thought. Okay. okay. So so what what what's the plan going forward? This was something we were kicking around off the air yesterday. Well, if 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 you're talking to Barry Lenny right now. Um, I don't think they're necessarily going to be crying crying their eyeballs out if Art Sikowski is part of the mix here next year. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I also see Brett Bielema as somebody who can use what the numbers that Tommy DeVito could potentially put up over the next two months combined with what he's already done here over 12 games at Illinois and sell that to another quarterback that will enter the portal eventually. And just from a competition standpoint, for none other less. So mm-hmm. I, I do foresee maybe somebody in this, you know, in the transfer portal who we don't know who, who that person is yet, eventually ending up on Illinois' roster because of the success that they could have throwing the football this year. They're not going to be 14th in passing offense this year in the Big Ten. I think that <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty safe in saying that. And in order, and, and you've already sold it to Tommy DeVito that he can come in and have success. 
So that next person who's looking at Illinois out of the portal will will have a much better optimistic viewpoint of the Illinois offense and of Barry Lunny and of Brett Bielema. So I think there's more likelihood that they could get a solid quarterback out of the portal. And so there's your roadmap to the bridge to Donovan Leary or Kirkland McHugh. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's kind of the president is Tommy DeVito. The, the the future, the, the short future is somebody in the portal and Art Sitkowski, and the long-term future is Donovan Leary and Kirkland McHugh and then Cal Swanson, who they have signed and committed coming mm-hmm. in. But that's that's three years down the road. They are not going to put these young quarterbacks out there to, to get, you know, lose confidence early on in their career. Matt Stevens is with us. If this ball game on Saturday is in a neutral setting, how far apart are these two teams? In other words, uh, take out the 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 Camp Randall factor and the noise and the and the whatever else that comes with it playing on the road. Um, it, this just for some reason it feels like this is still a tall task uh, okay. to for Illinois to pull off the win over Wisconsin. But I, I'm not sure exactly what Wisconsin is, but I'm I'm not sure where Illinois can. Uh, dominate enough even though they have some strengths no i agree i think i struggle to figure out against jimmy leonard how illinois is going to put up enough points to win this football game i don't care if it's on the moon or if it's in madison or if it's in champagne that's my initial concern and i I, i'm i'm not sure how how much illinois can stop the run i don't think i don't know that wisconsin's going to run roughshod but i don't know how much they're going to you know i heard you talking about this with robert rosenthal in the last segment I watched the game last year, the the, the twenty four to what was it twenty four to nothing mm-hmm. yeah, in, in homecoming. That front, that Illinois defensive front, for like probably the last two and a half quarters, maybe the last three quarters, just was not interested in physical contact whatsoever. At that point, I'm not saying they quit, but they were physically overwhelmed by the physicality of mm-hmm. the Wisconsin offensive line. I went back and watched the game, and you know the why that was is because honestly, Illinois was throwing up 58-second drives with three incomplete Mm -hmm. passes, and the defense had to go run back on Mm -hmm. the field. I think if Illinois can establish something offensively, even if it doesn't lead to points, I think the defense, this defense in year two of Ryan Walters, is going to be so much more prepared for what Wisconsin wants to do. And the only reason I say that, Scott, is because throughout this first month of the season, and quite honestly, the last six or seven games of last year under Ryan Walters, this defense has figured out a way to get seven, six or seven, maybe even eight guys running to the football when people try to run on them. And I think that if they bring that mentality to Madison, I think points could be at a premium and then Illinois has a shot to pull this off. Because I think um, I, I still struggle to try. I, I struggle to see how Illinois can get to like 20 points under in front of a Jimmy Leonard defense. But they might be able to win a twenty to seventeen game if the defense can accept the physicality of what they're going to see in this Wisconsin front, and then you make Graham Mertz make decisions in order to beat you. That's the formula that you have to have, and I think Ryan Walters in year two of his scheme with a defense, guys. I think Illinois has at least seven NFL guys on that side of the ball. I think they could they could make it a very very competitive football game. But then, by what you're saying, that also means Caleb Griffin has to have his best game. Correct. You're going to be putting. You're going to be special teams is going to be a huge element. Not just Caleb, but I think Hugh Robertson's got to have got to have a pretty good game too. And and he's been shaky as well. So this is what you brought Sean Snyder in for is to try to get 
you know, special teams to a level in which you can pull these kinds of games off because, yeah, you're going to have to be good in all three phases of this football game to win it. What's the what, what's the leash? What's the alternatives if Hugh Robertson continues to, to have the yips of, of sorts? Is there any other alternative? What's the nice way of, for me to make the crickets noise? Uh, <laughs> so that's your, that's your, guys, that, that's your punter. That's on I, him. I, they've been asking that for me on my on the boards for about punter. They asked it last week for me about kicker. You have a scholarship punter and you have a scholarship kicker. It is, well, Sean, it is Sean Snyder's job and it is Hugh Robertson's job and it is Caleb Griffin's job. And honest to God, guys, when we left, you know, Brett Bielema's press conference, I stayed there to ride a little bit, and I saw Caleb Griffin and Hugh Robertson punting by, and, and kicking on by themselves in Memorial Stadium on that Monday. Their day off, by the way. Um, they've got to figure it out because the guys behind them on the on as specialists on the depth chart, I, I saw them in fall camp, and I, I just I don't think you want to put them in that type of environment. I don't think that they're going to travel obviously this week in Madison. In Madison. Well, and that's why I say it's the yips because we saw the first game. I think he averaged you know 40 40 some yards on his you're talking about Hugh Robertson yeah yeah his, his punts were were good that first week so I I think it can get there I apologize but I try to always compare this to golf because it seems like the easiest comparison for me Sean Sean Snyder is trying to basically do a swing change with Hugh Robertson he's physically trying mm-hmm. to get Hugh away from the Australian style kick that you saw Blake Hayes do sometimes it's now a two-step kick for for Hugh Robertson because that's the way he thinks he can optimize his leg strength. And you saw it when he was backed up to the goal line that I think you had like a 48-yard punt, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's when it looks good. You know, when you're doing a swing change and you hit it you hit it solid and you feel it, like that's that's when you you hit And Michael Martin pointed out that he didn't have to think. He didn't have right. time to think on that punt and that's exactly. probably why that's it was why, so good. Again, like in the golf comparison it went 300 yards down the middle of the fairway. What'd you do? When, I don't know, I just hit it. Right. When he had time to think about it, guess what happens? He's trying to actually do the mechanics of everything he's trying to he's trying to learn and practice and put together in a game and he shanked it. And that's what happens when you're going through a swing change is that it feels good, it feels good, it feels good, and then you go back to what you want to do before, and then you shank it, and it's an 11-yard punt. He cannot do that again in, in Madison because it, it will it will cost Illinois points, just like it did in, in Bloomington in, in, when they lost the game in Indiana. Mm-hmm. But he is going through some some you know, physical swing changes right now with, with his punting motion. And I think that Sean Snyder is certainly the guy that can get him through this throughout the whole year. Matt Stevens, IlliniGuys.com. That's where you can read him. That's uh, You can also hear him as a contributor on Illini Guys Radio Sports Spectacular. And we'll motor up to Madison this weekend, see what happens. I'll see you there. It's a big, uh, big start to a stretch here with four division games for Illinois. Want to take a moment to let you know a cool thing that CU Trade Services is doing in honor of World Teacher Day on October 5th. They are giving away a free heating and cooling system to a worthy teacher. You could nominate a teacher right now, or if you are a teacher, you could self-nominate yourself. Why not? I come from a family of teachers. You work hard. And uh, if you believe that somebody is worthy of one, here's the conditions. Just find a teacher that lives in Champaign County or Iroquois County, and you need to submit by October 5th through cutradeservices.com. Pre-K, elementary, junior high, high school teachers are eligible. And this is for a AC and HVAC unit and free installation and a year of maintenance as well. 
one of the ways CU Trade Services is trying to give back to the, the community. It's CUTradeservices.com. Nominate a teacher today. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. we got White Sox baseball coming up. There are three things at 6 o'clock. There are three things. I thought you were giving me a look like we do. No, no, I was wondering what the three things were. Uh, that, that, uh, that I'm seeing written right now, kind of a thing to write about, is how good could the Cubs actually be next year, depending on what they do in the offseason? Seen a lot of articles about that. Seen a lot of articles. The really trendy thing is, let's do a post-mortem on the White Sox. What went wrong? Mm-hmm. And let's dissect it blow by blow. Every If you're into, you know, the... The retrospect of how bad, how it got bad, how it, how did it get here, what went wrong, timeline kind of stuff. And then the other articles that are being written is, will the Cardinals get it together in time for the postseason? <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say Justin Fields because... That, oh, no, I was talking baseball. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, the, Justin Fields is... <laughs> that's all that you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, seven days a week. Yes. Everybody will, will talk about him. That's, that's probably right, and... That's that's kind of where I am on all three teams. You can't watch the Cubs as they stand right now and project to next year because the the guys in the lineup, I don't even know if they'll be on the 40-man, let alone in the organization um, next year. And the White Sox, considering I think this is their biggest payroll of all time and they're going to miss the playoffs and all their managerial issues, yeah, you, you do kind of wonder what went wrong there. And the Cardinals... Again, it, it was, you know, there was a, a lot going on over the last week or, or so. <laughs> the the focus, especially when you look at the division, and we've known it for, what, three, four weeks now, that the, the Central is basically the Cardinals as long as they show up for the last month. So everything's kind of focused on Albert here over the, the last month or so. So they've got eight to, to ten days to, to figure it out. I've always been concerned since the, the All-Star or since the trade deadline that they didn't do enough for for the rotation they're going to have to lean a lot on the bullpen it's been more offensive questions here lately but all in all the the Cardinals are, are a very good team I, I have their questions if they're a World Series team but that's why we play the games in uh, October yep uh, from CBS Matt Snyder I don't know if you caught it how the Cubs could return to contention in 2023 after promising signs in 2022 I love I love Matt Snyder he's a Cubs fan though Is he, does, he? he doesn't preface any of his Cubs articles with that, but he is a Cubs fan. Well, so. we all started as fans <laughs> somewhere, but he points to the the good strides that were made by major league players this year, like the players that are on the roster that could or will be back next year, and then the positives in the minors, but then also the ability the Cubs do have to spend this offseason and who could be potentially available. Of course, plenty's been talked about potential shortstops, but why not a Shohei Otani or a Raphael Devers or a Ozzy Albies or names that he all mentions in this article? So point is, Cubs have plenty of money to spend, he writes, and also have a prospect currency to add salary via trades. They'll be a major player in the offseason. After a quick break from relevance, they should be ready to rejoin the party. Should be. Of course, the front office has to make the right moves, and the players have to play. 
Yep, it's going to come down to stars. Can you sign stars? Can those prospects that that aren't on that star caliber, which is basically all of them except for Pete Crow Armstrong, can they become stars? And, and the the guys in between, can can they maintain those levels? Ian Happ having a career year. Wilson Contreras is he going to be back? The the pitchers you like what the infrastructure has done, but not a whole lot of track record on those guys. So cautious optimism. Back to wrap after this. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. I was just enjoying some blues there. Just going to let that ride for a minute. Hope you didn't mind that. Uh, appreciate all those who contributed to the show. Robert Rosenthal from IlliniBoard.com. Matt Stevens from IlliniGuys.com. Lauren Tate as well. Mr. Evan Kahn. I don't know what's must-see TV tonight. Probably probably Judge. Probably judge. try to catch his ABs. And as much as the Cardinals don't have a whole lot to play for, I think that that Cardinals-Brewers series is going to be really good because the Brewers have a whole lot to play for here, and it's a divisional rival, and they're at home up there in Milwaukee, so that should be good. Illinois baseball has an exhibition coming up here at the top of the hour as well, Uh, so you might want to come over and check that out. They're playing the uh, Canadian group that comes through with Chris Robinson uh, on uh, heading up that group. Oh, So that's... uh, some of the fun yeah. stuff going on. That's that connection. Mm. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on the Cubs, but we've got like 45 seconds here, and I've had this notice. The Cubs get ready to play the Phillies. The Phillies have the longest drought in the National League of making the postseason, right? The last time they made the postseason, really? hard to believe, 2011, when Ryan Howard tore his Achilles playing the Cardinals in Game 5. And they fell off a cliff after that, and they never made it back. So as much as the Cubs this year aren't the 2014 Cubs, I'm glad they're not the 2014 Phillies that had an inflated payroll of Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley and Ryan Howard, and they never made it back. So as much as you don't like where the Cubs are at, I think the next 10 years will be better than what the last 10 years have been for the Phillies. The White Sox are coming up (laughs) here on DWS. Really appreciate everybody's involvement. We'll do it again tomorrow. Adam Rittenberg scheduled to talk with us. Also, Jim Polzin from up in Madison for a little bit more on the Badgers. Be well. Enjoy a nice fall evening. News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Good night.